Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. Pretty much what I'm going to do is I'm just going to give you a quick overview of some biblical principles about just relationships in general. And then what we're going to do is we're going to talk about four things that we really have to prepare ourselves for. And I will cover two of them. Pastor Bo will team teach with me and teach the uh, other two. And then we'll give you some practical things at the end. And then we'll go into some Q&A. Now, it's very important. And I just want to acknowledge that we do have some married couples in this uh, Zoom call. And so we're going to try our best to try to address some of those things because majority are singles, uh, working adults. But we do have some married couples on Zoom. And the reason why I'm excited about that is, number one, uh, they have life experience. So I think uh, hopefully we're just thinking about maybe towards a Q&A, they can share some of their uh, learning insights. And I think that would be really helpful to hear from other couples. Another thing that we're thinking about is I think when we think about just overall our covenant ministry, our focus ministry, our single adults, it's going to be vital that we partner together in all aspects. I think many of you who are single You need older couples to mentor you, to help you in this process. Some of you are in relationships, so having older couples will help you. And then also for us who are married, that just having younger people with us, it helps us to see that we do have a purpose and a mission that's bigger than our family and ourselves. So we pray that it will be a blessing to you. So this is the challenge that Pastor Bo and I have as we do this. And we're praying that overall we're going to try to address the two groups, those of you who are married and maybe you're just going through different uh, struggles or maybe just wanting to learn how to improve. We're going to try to give some principles there. But also we want to give principle to many of you who are single and hopefully you can get to that stage. We want to increase our covenant ministry. So we would love for many of you to join in the future. So here are some things that I want to talk about. If you think about life, uh, many things in life, you realize a lot of it requires preparation. Think about a presentation you have to give at work. Think about maybe a project that you have to do and finish off. Uh, Some of us just even planning a trip somewhere. I know it seems like such a distant memory because we haven't been away on a trip for a long time. But just so many things in life require preparation. And I think in many ways, the best, the better you could prepare for something, the better experience that you will have. Now, there are some things you could prepare all you want, but they're not in your control. But those things that you're able to at least have control over or at least be able to do, you realize that those things, it's much better when you prepare. So I want to talk a little bit about good preparation to have a great marriage. And those of you who are married, to continue to be preparing so that your family can develop and to grow to make a difference for Jesus Christ. Now, in order for all this to happen, we have to embrace Christ's supremacy as the Lord over our lives personally, over our family, our family life, and just being able to see how God is supreme over all things in the world. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 20. Let me read it for us. And on the yellow section, you can just kind of mouth it out and read it out loud with me. It says this. Christ is the, I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation for Through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things that we see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities, and unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. 
He existed before everything, anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is in the beginning, supreme over all, who, who rises from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. The important thing that I want you to understand is that Christ is supreme over all of creation. He is supreme over your life, over your love life, your future family. He's over supreme and over your family right now. To those of you who are married in your marriage as well as your relationship with your children, he is supreme over all things. And that's why we must submit ourselves to his supremacy to say, God, Everything in this world, if it's for you and it's through you, then I'm going to submit myself to your supremacy. And that's why the one thing that I want to share for us to keep in mind is that when we embrace Christ's supremacy, that we can grow in deeper intimacy. That's what we want to see happen. We want to grow in deeper intimacy. When we embrace Christ's supremacy, we can grow in deeper intimacy. And so before Pastor Bo and I, we kind of give you some the four things that we want to kind of share. What I decided to do is I want to lay down for you a biblical and a foundational principles of just relationships in general. And so whether you're married or you're single, it doesn't matter. These are biblical principles that I think is very, very important. Now, some of these things uh, are more for directed to those of you who are single because you're going to have to think and discern, and to make a decision. To those of us who are already in the situation, whether you either are living it or violated it, whatever it may be, there's still hope, and I believe that God could redeem it. So let me talk about some of these things that I think is really important. One thing I want you to think about is this, those of you who are single. There is not a single person in this world who will enter into a marriage relationship thinking that it's going to end in a divorce. Not a single person. Every single couple, every single person would want to be in a relationship and get married and believe that they're going to live until in this relationship until death do us part. And that's the hope and the wish of a lot of us. But the thing is, as many of you know, if you look at society, some of you come from broken homes. You know that that's not always the case, whether you're a Christian or not. As I mentioned many times, even our college students, if you look at the percentage of people in the church who are divorced and the percentage of the divorce rate in the world, it's not that different. It's pretty similar. So this is the reason why I think it's very important that we understand God's heart as he is supreme over everything, even over your love life. He's supreme over that to be able to understand what is his heart and what he desires to do. This is why I think we really need to examine our mindset our worldview, our paradigm, even our approaches to relationship. And the reason why is because in order to have a good and healthy marriage in the future, and even right now to those of you who are married, it is vital that we understand what we are called to be and who we are in Christ. Not only are we supposed to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves, 
one of the distinct callings that we have as followers of Jesus Christ is that we live for him in a way that we are witnesses. Let me give you a passage here in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. I'm going to read from the New International Version. It says this, For this reason, since the day we have heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may say this together, live a life worthy of the Lord and may what? Please him in every way. So we are called to live a life that is worthy of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. It's one of the highest callings that we have as followers of Jesus. And that everything that we do is to please him. It's, it's not just about doing our Bible studies and going to life group, but the way we live, the way we work, the way we do relationships, it's really about how we live our lives to please God. So let me give you some foundational truth. I'm going to go through this really quickly. Uh, we're not going to read the verses. I'll, we'll just give you the, the passage, and then you could just jot it down. Hopefully you could read it later because of time. I'm just going to go by them really quickly, and then we're going to focus a little bit more time during the teaching of some practical things to move forward in a relationship. The first thing we have to understand is God has designed marriage. It's God who designed marriage. You can look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 through 28. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 to 24. We see that it's God's heart, God's intention. This is what he desired. So once again, I'm not going to read all those passages. It's there. You can look at it later and study it on your own. So the world right now is trying to redefine what marriage is. And I think this is where we really need to stick to the Bible. That does not mean that we should not be loving to people who believe in same-sex marriages or even in just different types of marriages now we see. But we really need to be able to love them but also speak the truth in love. And I always tell people, it's not my opinion. This is what the Bible says, so this is what I believe because the Bible tells me. So it's really important that it's not human beings' idea, but it's God's design. He has designed the purpose of marriage. The second thing is this, that God has not only designed marriage, but God is displeased with divorce. Now, let me just qualify this. I think this is important because when you look at Malachi chapter 2, if you also look at Mark chapter 10, verse 9, you will notice in these passages that it's very clear that God hates divorce. That's such a strong language of hate because what God has joined together, no man or woman should separate that. And some of you come from divorced homes. Some of you come from dysfunctional homes. Some of you come from homes where they might still be married, but they're not really married. They're living separate lives. And so the thing that I want to just really try to encourage you is this. When you think about a permanent covenant that you make with somebody to be in a marriage relationship, we need to stick with it as faithfully as we can. Now, in Scripture, it says for unfaithfulness, because then you have broken that covenant in your own volition, and also death. Sometimes that will then separate those two. Those are the only two that I see that, once again, the Bible teaches then that marriage relationship can be severed. But God's heart is for marriage, and he hates divorce. Uh, we're going to have a whole session on that, but we'll talk about it some other time as time permits. Um, no, just one other comment. I just want to, because it's such a strong language. When God says, I hate divorce, think about it this way. There are a lot of times that when I was uh, raising uh, my kids with Christina, there are times when they would do some dumb things. 
And we will say, we do not like what you're doing. It's never, we don't like you, but we don't like what you're doing. And so what happens is that the action sometimes breaks sometimes the fellowship with God, but it doesn't mean that it changes our position with God, that He loves us. So even though some of us might have uh, know of some people who've got divorced, God still loves you and still loves that person. And so we want to be able to reinforce that. Number four, or number three, excuse me, number three, is that God displays Christ's love for the church through marriage. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 through 29, when this whole section we see about how Christ loved the church, and in the same way it was an analogy to how the husband is supposed to love his wife. So the beautiful thing about church, this is the reason why I'm so passionate about the local church, is that it's through the local church we begin to understand Christ's love uh, for the church. And then through that, you get to be able to understand more of the love that you need to have as a future husband, future wife. Even right now, those of you who are married, the way you ought to love your spouse is the way Christ loved the church. And how did he love the church? He gave his life for the church. This is the reason why, ladies and also gentlemen, I want to just encourage you, is to watch and see how they view church and how they treat the church. If they're constantly negatively talking about it, if they're just really not really committed to the church, then that's going to give you a glimpse of who they will be in the future. That's why one of the best ways, and I'm going to talk about it later, is to be in this kind of community and to be able to watch and observe and to see how, how do they love the church? Do they love Christ? Do they love the mission of God? Are they involved? Are they doing the things that God has clearly stated? And it's through the church. If they cannot, then they're going to have a difficult time in the future. And this is just from hearing from so many different stories over and over again. Which, by the way, and let me just qualify this. There's going to be a lot of things that are from Scripture. And that means it's, it's not a suggestion. It's God's Word. There will be other things I will share from experience. And so sometimes some people can mistake in it. It's not an absolute because it's just from my experience. Also from counseling doing over 10,000 some hours of counseling of people after people, even married couples. I've done over 30 plus some weddings and seeing where some of them ended up to really be able to share these things as just words of wisdom. But unless I clearly state scripture, that means that that's, that's something we have to obey. But I can just give you my experience and what I've saw in so many other couples and that you could pray through and let the Holy Spirit speak to you and as you discern. So here we have, we have God uh, designed marriage. He's displeased with divorce. He, displa he displays Christ's love for the church through marriage. And number four, God directs us not to marry pre-Christians. Uh, I know this is always a hard one, for, especially for some of you sisters. Because you look at the guys in the church, you're like, oh my God, there's nobody. But then at work, there's this guy who's like, you know, 183, you know, centimeters and he is funny he is good looking he dresses well and he just kind of has everything that you're looking for he's spontaneous he's just everything but one thing they lack is they're not a believer and i have this conversation over and over and over again with so many different sisters where their heart is broken because they're saying why can't i date that person why can't i marry that person and then once again, this is not my word, but it's the word of God. When you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, it talks about that. To not to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. 
What that simply means is that you cannot have darkness and light together, or nor can you have two sets of blueprints together. And so it's important that we find someone that who's a believer in Jesus Christ. Pastor, how about the missionary dairy? I will bring him to the Lord. No, you won't. Only God can do that. So I've seen a lot of people who are trying to bring them to the Lord, but you can't do that. Only God can do that. And then how would you also know if they're actually going to church and being interested in, interested in Christianity because of God, because of the need that they have, or because they want you? And so one of the things I've learned over the years, and I've seen so many people who end up splitting up or having difficult marriages, is because they have compromised on some of the things that God has taught. Number five, a couple more. Number five, God distinguishes some to be called not to marry. Or God is calling some people not to marry. He clearly distinguishes. We'll see this in Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 through 9, where it talks about how Paul says that he'd rather have us to be single. That is what we call the gift of celibacy. That means that God has to give it to you. Now, just think about what you were thinking about like two days ago. We're thinking about that guy. We're thinking that you don't have the gift of celibacy, all right? And so bottom line is that that gift is something that God gives you where you are wholly dedicating yourself to focus on God, to love Him, and to allow Christ to be your partner. And so it's, it's a calling. And so we have to understand that there will be some people who will have this gift. God has given it to them, and they will be single. I also say those who struggle with things like same-sex attraction— SSA, or even gender uh, dysphoria, any of these other uh, different issues that we see now more prevalent in our society. I have seen people who are believers in Christ who struggle with the same-sex attraction, but they have committed themselves because they know from Scripture that they cannot be in a gay marriage or a homosexual relationship. So therefore, they have willingly put themselves to be uh, celibate or to be single for the rest of their lives. And that's honorable because they were trying to honor God at the same time wrestling through with some of the struggles. So that's something else that we see. There will be some people who will be single or they're not called to marry. A number of six is that God desires us to honor him in all that we do. Uh, we already talked about that in Colossians chapter 1, verse 10. We see this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Colossians chapter, uh, I think I mentioned it, Colossians chapter 1, verse 10. So everything that we do, all our relationship should honor God and please God. And number seven, God demands us to treat people differently because of Jesus Christ. He demands it. It is a command from him. And when Jesus died and rose again from the dead, he created this new community of people who will love God and to love one another. This is why it is so important when we think about our relationship with people in our community, in our church. The way we treat one another should be almost like a spiritual family. So the things that you would not do to your family members, that is the mindset that we need. There are some of you, and I'm going to just be very direct, there are some of you men in our church that are goofing around and playing around and breaking hearts of different people because you're, play, you're, you're, you're a player. And what it does is breaks unity. Some of you ladies, in the same way, so either you're really desperate to be in a relationship or maybe sometimes you just kind of enjoy the fact that a guy likes you 
and being very flirtatious that's not really honoring to that brother. You're not going to do that to your younger brother and bat your eye and say, hey, or an older brother that you have who's a sibling. In the same way, what we're saying is that treat each other like brothers and sisters in Christ. And the reason why this is important, please hear me out. I'm, I'm speaking as your pastor now. I have seen many people get into relationships and it doesn't work out for various reasons. And they dishonored each other in the things that they have done. And then I see either one of them leaves the church or they both leave the church. And as many of you know, it's heartbreaking because they were part of our community. They were part of our lives. And because some of us did not keep them accountable or help them in the process, or they were just being rebellious and wanted, wanted to do whatever they wanted to do, because of the hurt, it's very difficult to be in the same context together. Every time I see that, it breaks my heart. That means that you did not honor that brother or that sister. You weren't thinking about the spiritual family. You were just thinking about yourself, your selfish needs and what you wanted. Rather than thinking about, oh, what is going to be good for this sister? What's going to be good for this brother? I want to honor them because they're my brother or they're my sister in Christ. And we're part of a spiritual family. The best relationships, when they get into it and it doesn't work out, they can still be a part of our community and still be able to, in a cordial way, they might not be good friends, but in a cordial way, be able to honor one another. That's why I think the way we treat people has to be different than what the world does and the way the world does it. Uh, some passage I'll give you. Once again, I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to give it to you. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7. And it talks about we should not take advantage of one another and we should treat each other with absolute purity. So how do we do this relationship thing differently? These are the biblical principles that we see. Well, one of the things that I want to encourage us, first of all, let me speak to the singles, is that there's an approach to relationships that's a little bit more of the concept of biblical dating. Now, is it any different from just dating? On the surface, not necessarily. But when you go deeper into it, you realize there is a difference. And let me give you the definition of a biblical dating that we would love to promote and see in our church. The definition is simply this. A purposeful process for a single man and a single woman to get to know one another with the knowledge of their families and or church community in order to make a commitment to one another with marriage being the end goal. Now, I know this sounds so old fashioned. And I know some of you are listening to this and like, oh, my God, like, do I need to get involved, involve my family in this? Do I need to get my community involved in this? And it was funny because on Friday, I was giving the same definition. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was giving the same definition. And we, we did a little bit of icebreaker. And it was kind of, would you do this or would you do that? I forgot the name of the game. It's a would you rather or something like that. Anyway, and it was funny because one of them was, would you tell your parents about this relationship before it starts or about to start or after? Almost 87% of these college students, Lord have mercy, that's why you got to pray for the college students. They all said after. And I'm like, like, and I understand why they would say after, because some parents are controlling, some parents are high standard. I understand all that. But the thing is that to have people who love you, who are involved in your life, that you are able to then 
invite them in this process to discern. Why? Because they've been, they're married. They've been in relationships for a long time. They see things. They lived in this world for longer than you. They can catch things, see things that you cannot. We all have blind spots. So it is vital that when we think about this, that we're getting the people involved. So look at this definition again. It's going to be on your screen. Look at it again. And if you look at this definition, you will notice there are three things that it's very clear when it comes to biblical dating. The first thing that you will notice is that there is a purpose. You don't just date without a purpose. There's a purpose behind it. The second thing is there's a process. There's a process that's involved in this. That it's not about finding the right person, but it's about being the right person. The third and last thing is there is a partnership. There is a partnership, and we do it in community so we could avoid blind spots or our family. Some of you have family members who are not believers. They're like, why should we involve them? Let me just say this. There are biblical wisdom, and there's common knowledge wisdom. And your parents, if they're not believers, they have common knowledge wisdom. And that's why I think it's important to be able to involve them. So once again, the purpose, there's a process, and there's a partnership. And so you notice these three things. So right now, I'm going to have us jump into huddle groups. And I'm just going to ask one question. And we're going to give you four minutes. And we're going to do this quick, maybe even three and a half, but four minutes. And we're simply two minutes each for each person. And the question that I want you to talk about is simply this. Who would you say influenced you the most when it comes to relationships and marriage? So share about it. Maybe it could be a positive influence or maybe it's a negative one where you're now thinking, I don't want to get married. I don't want to have to go through that. So just share about who influenced you the most when it comes to relationships and marriage. It could just be a TV show. And believe it or not, I'm a feeling, some of you might say K-drama. I hope not, because it's all fake. It's all fake, all right? And so there's no one in Korea like that. I haven't met too many Koreans who are like that, all right? That's why some of you ladies are being like totally fooled and tricked. And a lot of these guys are like, yeah, pastor, go ahead and let them know. There's no guys. No, that's not an excuse for you not to be like Jesus. So you men have to grow. But ladies, I'm just telling you the truth. Like no one's perfect because all those guys seem so dreamy. But only Jesus, all right? So go ahead. Uh, I'm using up one of the four minutes. So let me just shut my mouth. Go ahead, four minutes, ask, talk about this question, and we'll bring you back. Have fun. All right, welcome back. So once again, I gave you some biblical principles. Now we're going to go into some of the practical things, and hopefully this will help you. It's not only when you prepare uh, for future marriage, but those of you who are married, who might be struggling with different areas of your life or your marriage or your family, that this can be applied into your life as well. So how many of you all know that marriage takes hard work? Okay, none of the single guys should be raising their hand, all right? You have no clue. That's like, hey, you, you know what bungee jumping is like? You're like, oh, yeah, because I've seen No, you don't know. You might know, but you don't know. But every married couple who's watching this, they will all say yes, amen, and true. Marriage takes hard work. In fact, I like to describe it as raising plants. Some of you are like, huh? My spouse will be a plant and I'm going to raise this plant? No, let me just explain. Uh, my wife, uh, she went to the States for a little bit and 
one of the things that she told me to do was to take care of this plant. Now, it, it wasn't a small plant. It was, it was in a big pot. And somehow someone gave it to her and she faithfully waters it every single day. And she told me to take care of it. And those of you who might know me, like, I am horrible. I, I do not have a green thumb. Like, I will just feed it once with water, and then I just forget about it because my mind is on other things. But she says, you got to make sure you water this plant. And then I share this with my accountability. I said, dudes, man, keep me accountable because Christina will be really upset if I, this plant dies. So I need you to contact me once in a while and say, Pastor, are you watering the plant and all that kind of stuff. So things were going well. So I was doing this on a regular basis for the first maybe five, six, some days. Then all of a sudden when I looked at this plant, after watering it, the plant started withering away. It started dying. I really didn't know what to do because I couldn't take it out of the pot or do anything. So you know what? I just prayed for it. I laid my hands towards it. I said, Lord, revive this plant. And it just didn't grow, and it just started wilting away, but I faithfully watered it. And I'm like, wow, trying to get a plant just to be faithful, it's like growing, even though I've been faithful in trying to do this, I said, it is hard work. That's when I realized anyone who's into gardening, I have a lot of respect for you. I'm like, this is a, a really hard work. And that's when I was thinking about, this is exactly the same thing when it comes to marriage. Those of us who are married, you will know that it's not just that one wedding day. It's for the rest of your life. And already some of you have been married for many, many years. Others, maybe it's under 10 years. But it, you'll realize more and more it takes work. To those of you who are single, I know that you think you know, but you do not know until you get married. Some of you who are in relationships, you, you're getting a glimpse but once again, if you get into a fight, you could go to different apartments and do whatever you want. But when you're married, you're going to be sleeping on the couch. Okay? So, so right now, or in, in the helper's room, in that small little room. So all I can say to you is you have no clue how hard it is to have a, a marriage and one that is not just surviving, but one that is thriving. So what I decided to do, along with Pastor Bo, is we're going to give you four principles. And we're going to use the acronym WORK, W-O-R-K. And underneath these four things, there's going to be different sub-things that I want you to think about. To those of you who are single, remember we talked about preparation? It's going to be very important that you work on these things. To those of you who are married and you're going through whatever you're going through, maybe in your marriage, it might just be kind of there and you're going on parallel tracks. It's a good refresher to remind ourselves of things that we have to keep on working on so that we can have a better marriage than the marriage that you have right now. Especially also with your kids. Some of these principles can be applied with your relationship with your kids. So the first thing is this. Watch out for your issues. That's the first thing when it comes to work. How marriage takes a lot of work. You got to watch out for your issues. The first thing that I want to share is this. Work, when we think about how, how much work it takes and you have to watch out for your issues, I think one of the first things you got to be able to understand is that a lot of the things that come out of our lives is tied in with some issues from the past. In fact, I want to challenge you to think about this. And some of you, 
the way you interact with people is because of what you experience with your family. Some of you have past hurts from previous relationships that you haven't really dealt with. How do I know that? Because right now, the way you are trying to look for a relationship, or if you are in a relationship, it's the same repeat. It just seems like a rerun of a, something that you've seen before. It's because just by finding a new person, going to a new city, or finding a new job, just changing the atmosphere or the setting will not make you change within your heart. You cannot run away from yourself. You can move all the way to Antarctica and the issues will follow you. Some of us are so clueless that right now in the preparation stage, you got to work on your issues. And one of them is your past hurts and your past pains. Because if you don't, what's going to happen is that when you get married, out of that past hurt and past pain, that's how you're going to relate to your spouse. Some of you who are married, a lot of times when we get into a disagreement or a fight, a lot of times it's connected to some of the past hurts in our lives that we still haven't addressed. We know what they are, but we haven't addressed it. We haven't submitted some of those things to God. Some of you are in bondage to that because the Bible tells us don't go to sleep. Don't let the sun go down while you are angry or you're going to give a foothold for Satan. You have opened the door in your life for Satan to work and put you in bondage. And in that bondage, you keep on seeing yourself going through the same thing over and over again. That's why I want to encourage you. Watch out for your issues. So you got to first work on your past hurts and pain. Another thing that you got to do is work through your family issues. As I mentioned before, it's kind of tied in with your past hurts. But a lot of the way that you have been brought up in your family is how you're going to relate with your family. If you've seen your mom act a certain way, ladies, you will most likely have the proclivity to be moving in that direction to be exactly like her. I, I, I know some of you are like, no way, I will never be like my mom. There is no way I'm going to be like my dad. I would love to take a poll and do a Mentimeter or something of all the people who have ever been married, and they will tell you, you become more like your dad or your mom than you think. In fact, the things that you hate about your mom and your dad, you will start seeing it in your life. I don't know how many times I said, I will never do that. Then my wife says, you're just like your dad or you're, just, you're acting just like your mom. So there are some of us right now that in the past relationships, not only that, but in your relation with your family, there are issues that you haven't really dealt through. So work on these things. Another one is this, work on your character development. As many of you heard this before, but marriage, a happy marriage, it's, it's not about just us feeling good and like, oh, we're so happy. But the purpose of it, the meaning of marriage, as Kim Teller, uh, Tim Keller would say, that it is to make us holy, to become more like Jesus Christ. And so one of the things you could prepare for is work on some of these character issues. Because if you do not, then the person you marry is going to face the brunt of that. And they're going to get hurt. That's why some of you need mentors. You need disciples. You need other married people, if you're married, who will be able to walk with you and walk together because you need to sharpen each other. Some of you have a lot of character issues. And I'm not saying that you have to get it all perfect to get married. 
because then no one would get married until they're 80 something and they're ready to see Jesus. Reality is that sometimes it is the marriage that God uses to make us more like him. But there are some fundamental character traits that I think is so important. Some of you guys were saying integrity is a very important thing. Some of you, whether it's leadership or whatever it may be, because if you cannot grow in being proactive and leading, how are you going to lead your family? That's why some of you, even though you're not a leader by position, do you take initiative? Do, do you, do you, are you proactive in saying, hey, leaders, is there anything that I can do? And so you don't need a position. But if you can do that and work on that character trait, then you're going to be able to lead your family. And which men, I'm going to speak to you, is that is one of your responsibilities to lead your home. There are some of us who are married, and you'll see this, is that if the men, is, they're not leading the home, then oftentimes it's the women who begins to get frustrated, and they're trying to lead, and it gets really hard in many ways. Some of them do a great job. Single moms, or even in marriages where they don't have a husband who's a believer. But one of the things that I want to encourage all of us is to grow in our character. And where do we grow in? Look at the book of Galatians, chapter 5. It talks about that. The fruit of the Spirit. Grow in all of those areas. Become more like Jesus Christ. So watch out for your issues because it's going to come back. And even though you're married, it will still keep on coming up. So watch out for your issues. So talk it over with some people. Be in an LCG. Be in accountability relationships. If some of you struggle with anger now, just wait until you get married. It's not going to get easier. So work on that anger issue now. Some of you have control issues. Work on those issues now or your kids are going to rebel because they are going to rebel. And so you have a control issue, so you're trying to control them. Some of you are going to track them on a GPS. You're going to put it on their phone and you're going to track them down. No kid wants that. Some of you are like, he's talking about me. That's what my parents do. Exactly. You don't like that. But you're going to be like that because you learn from your parents and once again, you're also controlling in some sense. So work on these character issues. Number two, and then I'm going to have Pastor Bo come up and share the other two. Number two is openness to community. Openness to community. I cannot stress this enough. Is that part of learning how to have a great marriage and be in a relationship, and also those of you who are married, to continue to grow in your marriage, to grow in your relationship with your children, I think one of the best ways, the best lab, the best lab is in community to learn about the gospel. Just think about that for a moment. You are in a life group with people that you did not choose, right? Because can you imagine if we all had a choice of who we want to have a life group? Man, we'll have the coolest life group. We'll be like, oh, this is awesome. Or we have all the people who are really introverted, so we never have to reach out to anybody. Yay. You know, or like, oh my God, let's have all the extroverted there. I mean, if you got to choose your life group, do you know how bad that would be for you? You think it would be great, but it's bad for you. So you, you did have a choice. So therefore, you have some people that you don't get along with. There are some people you don't click with. But you're learning how to love them. So that becomes a lab of learning how to live out the gospel. There are people that will hurt you. It's a lab for the gospel so you will learn how to forgive because your spouse will hurt you. You will be misunderstood. They will not be there for you completely at times and you're going to feel abandoned, all these things. So whatever you're going through right now and what you're experiencing in community, it is a lab for you to grow in the gospel. 
Some of you, it's more like, well, you got to do this for me. But that's not the gospel. You, you, you are generous with your time and your energy. Why? Because God has blessed you. So that's why you spend time with people in your life group. Sometimes you don't feel like praying for your children or maybe for your spouse. But when you're in life group, you're praying for people. You're sharing vulnerably. Like it's, it's a perfect lab for you to grow in the gospel. I pray that you will never miss that opportunity and you will not see it any other way. I pray that the community will help you to develop some of these character traits in your life. The next one is this. It is a lab to work on relational skills. Man, oh man. Everything's all tied in. Um, I'm not going to pick on the married couples, but like how many times in a week do you fight with your spouse or get into healthy discussions? A lot. There are a lot of things that happen because can you imagine you're living 24-7 with that person? And so if you think about openness to community is right now you are learning some skill sets of conflict resolution. How many times does a leader say something and you get hurt and then you just keep it all inside? Hmm. But then you're giving the leaders attitude. Hmm, hmm. And they're trying to say, okay, let's all try to pray. And they're like, hmm, hmm, hmm. you know, all this kind of stuff. Guess what? You're going to do that exactly to your spouse. Some of you don't know how to communicate. You don't share your emotions. You're very low on your emotional intelligence. You can't even articulate what you're feeling. You just grunt. Hmm, 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 hmm. So they don't understand what's going on. And that's not very healthy for a marriage. So right now, in life group, do you have emotional intelligence? When you get hurt, are you able to express that? Can you be vulnerable and share, hey, you hurt me, but I want to ask you for forgiveness because I was bitter at you. Because that's the skill that you're going to need when you get married. Some of you don't know how to resolve conflict. You just sweep it under the carpet. That's, that's what my parents did. And when, when Christy and I, we got married, like, it's a, I, I just didn't want to talk about it. She, she, hung up, she had a lot of brothers, so they would all be talking. But that's not my family. So going back to the family issue. When we got into a fight or some kind of disagreement in our family, before we got married, before I got married to Christina, my blood family, we didn't talk to each other. We just w did our separate thing. We were just like, we just didn't interact. Then finally, my mom would go, you know, pump, uh, come down and eat. And then, then I know everything's cool because we're eating now. So that's how I grew up. So like when we first got married and we got into all these disagreements, guess what I did? I go, you know what? I just need some time alone. So I would just go away to the office, work on myself and talk, work on a message about love. And I'm like, you know, and forgiveness. I'm like, you know, it just didn't go well. And so one of the things I began to realize is, wow, the way I was raised up and even just conflict resolution, it's not, it's not really healthy. So I had to learn, and we had to learn together. So one of the things that we learned is this, is that if I'm not ready, if she's not ready, she would then say, or I will say, I'm not ready to talk to you. But when I'm ready, I will let you know. And the person who needs the time is then responsible to get out of that funk, to pray, to do whatever, and then say, okay, I'm ready. Let's talk together. That's just healthy. Some of us just look at your interactions in life group. 
when you have conflict with somebody, when someone hurts you, these are the things that we've got to work on. It, it is a perfect lab to work on some of the relational skills, which is then connected to the last thing, which is it's a lab to trust people and to learn how to be vulnerable. Trust is one of the biggest foundations, I would say, of every relationship, especially in a marriage. And some of you are very distrustful. You don't trust the leaders. You don't trust other people. That's exactly what's going to happen to your relationship when you get married. Let me speak from my heart. Listen carefully. Some of you come from families that are broken because maybe the dad cheated on your mom or your mom cheated on your dad. Maybe some of you in your own issues that you broke up in a relationship because that person cheated on you. And if you don't know how to build this trust, what's going to happen is that once you get married, you're going to be very distrustful of your spouse, even though they're not doing anything. And what that does is that it creates walls. And so this is something that I always try to encourage people is that trust is the foundation of all relationships, especially marriage. If that trust has been broken, you need to restore it and reconcile. If some of you, it's an issue that you struggle with because you went through something, that's where you got to ask God to set you free so you can grow in that area. But in life group, it's a great way to trust people. I know they're gonna, th there's always a risk of getting hurt. Always. But you cannot have any friendship or relationship without risk. But when you do take that risk, and it, it, they then take a risk, and you share your life together, that's where great friendships start. And so maybe you need to learn how to be vulnerable, learning how to build trust with people in the context of an openness to community. So we have watch out for your issues. And the O is openness to community because this will help you to grow and it becomes a lab. So at this time, let me just ask all of us just to, in your chat room, just wherever you are, just put it, put it on the chat. And the question is simply this. I want you to think about this. And I want you to just put it in the chat so that everyone can see it. Is that when you think about your future spouse or maybe some of you who are married and, and your spouse, what is one thing that you would love for them to do so that you could feel understood and loved? Can you just do that? I know some of you are like, I don't want to say that. Uh, but some of you are like, I will say it because she's on this chat right now. Exciting, you know? So what, whatever you're feeling, just go ahead and write in the chat. Just what is something that you would love for your future spouse or your spouse right now to do so that you could feel that, you know, you're understood and you're cared for? Will you just do that right now? And then we're going to have Pastor Bo come on up. All right, on to the R and the K. So we talked about watching out for your issues, openness to community. And uh, as we go into the second section, or the second half of the work acronym, uh, just a reminder that as we're talking about his and hers, all of these are aspects that both sides we need to work on. And I know from Pastor Seth and my experience, because we're both uh, husbands and men, we tend to be a little bit you know, more harsh on the brothers and, and the guys and because we know what it takes, we know how hard it is, but I think for the sisters as well, these are things that we all need to take responsibility for, we need to take ownership for, uh, because if we don't, then uh, what we're going to see is we're going to see a lot of unloading of our own insecurities and other things on each other. So as we go into the third section, 
This is actually going to be explicitly about ownership, is the R stands for we need to have responsibility in life. We need to have responsibility in life and in all areas of our lives. And, and right before I give you the practical suggestions, I just want to preface it with saying that oftentimes in this age and time of our society, responsibility and ownership tend to have a little bit of a negative connotation, a, something that we don't naturally want or desire. And there are a lot of reasons for this. And if you look at the trends from the last five, 10 years, we've entered into something called the sharing economy or, or, or the rental economy. Like any of you have ever taken an Uber before? Uh, ever, anyone has rented an Airbnb before? Some of you stream Netflix or Spotify. You, a lot of these things you used to have to buy or to purchase or to own. If you, if you wanted to drive somewhere, you would have to buy a car. But now you could just go on an app and rent one for just one trip. Or if you wanted to listen to some music, you'd have to buy the whole album. But now you just pay a subscription fee monthly and then you can stream them anytime you want. So no longer are we owning things anymore, but we're simply renting or temporarily subscribing to things. Why? Because the cost of ownership is too high and it's much more convenient and consumeristic to rent something, isn't it? Uh, there's an article by Joan Verdon uh, written by uh, someone at the U.S. Chamber of Com Commerce. She has two quotes that I want to highlight for us. The first one says this. It says, a survey by J.L. for its 2019 Future Retail Report found that 57.3 of all consumers were willing to rent rather than buy if the products are well-made and trendy. For millennial and Gen Z consumers, the percentage was over 70. I would say majority of us are Gen Z, if not at least millennial here in this room. And there's a, a couple of us that are a generation above that. But majority of so 70% of us, most likely, in this room are more predisposed to rent than to buy. And that's a phenomenon all across the world. It's not just in one location or the other. That's a, that's a global phenomenon. And I, I want to read one more quote that gives you a little bit more insight into the reason for why this is happening. The second quote is this. It's from James Cook uh, from America's Retail Director of Research. He says, renting is a way to try new things without the commitment of a purchase. Renting is a way to try new things without the commitment of a purchase. What does that say about us? It means we want the best of both worlds, all worlds, without the commitment. We want everything without giving or committing anything. And that's the trend of where society and this generation is going, is we want things for ourselves without the cost. And, and even though it's a not direct, direct cause and effect, a lot of times we see our relationships and marriages also trending in the same direction. Think about Tinder. I know relationships are not entirely uh, a commodity or consumer good, but it's getting close to it where you swipe, you look at someone, you swipe and see if that's something that you want or not. And, and the problem is, if you think about the trends in society, marriages, people are getting married later, birth rates are low. Why? Because we don't want the responsibility, because we don't want the cost of owning, taking responsibility, taking ownership of that relationship. And, and I, you know... I, I was thinking about it like, wouldn't it be so great if we could rent a baby? And, and I'm not talking about like you renting a baby. I mean, some of you are like, oh, I, I wish I could rent a baby and just take care of it. You know, it's kind of like stress relief. Like I, I was thinking about like, I would love to rent Noah out. <laughs> Have some more time. Why? Because it's a lot of responsibility. And, and Noah, if you ever watch this in the future, I'm sorry. This is, I don't, it's not like I don't love you. But 
But it's a lot of responsibility. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of effort. There's a tendency of not to want to take responsibility. Why? Because it's not convenient. It doesn't fulfill our needs. It means we have to give of something. And it, wouldn't it be great if you could rent a marriage? But you can't. You cannot rent relationships. You have to own them. You have to take responsibility for them. And that's why this is so important. And if you look at the purpose of marriage, as Pastor shared, the Ephesians 5 passage, is to demonstrate love for that other person. You can't do that if, unless you take ownership for that, unless you're committed in that relationship. And it's also to demonstrate Christ's love to the world through your relationship. And you can't do that unless you're committed and you take responsibility for that relationship. So three principles of taking responsibility and taking ownership in your life so that you're going to have great, healthy relationships and marriages. The first is taking ownership of your spiritual life. You have to. You have to take ownership of your spiritual life, whether that's uh, growing your relationship with God, your, your devotional time, your Bible reading, whether it's giving. So, so a lot of us, when we think of spiritual disciplines, we just think of the personal ones, but it's also communal ones, giving, serving, being involved in community, contributing in some way, shape, or form, sharing being part of discipleship, accountability. Those are all parts of your spiritual life. I want to read a verse from 1 Timothy 4, verse 78. It says, Have nothing to do with reverent silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also from, for the life to come. This is the, the hard, difficult part. Is Many of us, we are willing to train for many other things our careers, our personal lives, or, or, or our physical bodies. But how many of us, we train for our spiritual life? You, can, you can't rent your spiritual life out. You cannot. You, you cannot uh, sustain a relationship and have a healthy spiritual life and only be dependent on the Sunday sermon to feed yourself spiritually or wait for your LCG to remind you to do your devotional, to send out your soap. It doesn't work that way. When you're in a relationship, you have to own your own relationship. You can't rent it out to someone else. And I think this applies for married couples and even with kids. You can't rent your discipleship of your kids to someone else. Your, your kids might get a good lesson from building blocks on Sunday morning, but that's for one hour of their whole week. Everything else they're learning about their spiritual lives is from what? From your spiritual life. You can't rent it out. And husbands and wives, you can't rent it out so that your, your wife or your husband takes care of the spiritual life for your kid. You both have to be involved. And if only your wife, if only the husband is involved in the spiritual nourishment of your children, then that child is going to get a very dichotomized and distorted view of what spirituality is like, of what a relationship with God is like. And we have to take ownership of our spiritual life. Second thing is taking ownership of your personal life. Getting a job, you know, being a decent human being, being kind, being thoughtful, taking care of your emotional and, and, and mental health. These are all aspects of taking care of personal finances, budgeting, all, you know, taking care of the environment, all this kind of stuff that's just your personal life that you wouldn't necessarily consider spiritual, but they're still very important. From 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 11 to 12, in the New Living Translation, it says, Make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business, working with your hands, just as we instructed you before. Then people who are not believers will respect the way that you live, and you will not need to depend on others. So Paul was speaking to people who were just downright lazy. They were depending on other people for their basic needs. 
And I know some of us are like, yeah, I don't depend on anyone. I'm very ambitious with my career. I'm doing all these kind of things, which is great. But I'm wondering, do you, are you mindful personally in your life about other areas, about your mental health, about your emotional health, about your margin, about your ability to just live a clean life? Like, is your apartment clean? Is your home clean? Do you take care of yourself? Some of us are so overcommitted with things that we neglect so many other areas of our personal lives that we think we're doing great. Why? Because our career and we're making money, getting promoted. But then the rest of your life is a total mess. And you're like, well, I'm okay. I'm single now. But then as soon as you get a personal per permanent roommate, that's not going to be okay. You can't rent your personal life to others. And I know some of us are like, oh, I'm going to have a helper. That's not a long-term solution. Some of you are like, well, I'll have a helper for the rest of my life. You're not taking ownership or responsibility. And your spouse is not going to like that. That's not going to help your relationship. Thirdly, taking ownership of God's kingdom purposes. Ephesians 5, verse 31 to 32 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is, mystery is profound, and I am saying that refers to Christ and the church. So everything that we do, taking ownership, is of the mission or the purpose that God has given to us, not only as individuals, but also as a family, as a couple, as, as we're in relationship. And you cannot rent your own calling, your own mission out to someone else. It's yours, specifically for you. If you don't know what it is, if you can't live it out, then it's going to be very difficult for you to come together with someone else and live a joint mission together. Um, for me personally, taking ownership... Uh, I think in terms of like discipline and reading my Bible, all that kind of stuff, I felt like I was, I was pretty good. But I started to realize after I got married that I really didn't take care of myself. I was overcommitted, and my mental and emotional state was actually very fragile. And there was one time where, um, by the way, I got permission from Erica to share these things. So that's taking ownership of communicating with your spouse. Uh, but there was one time where we got into this argument. This is before we got married. We were engaged. We were planning our wedding. We're talking about, like, venues. We got into this argument about communication, and all this stuff came out. And I don't, I, like, vaguely remember what the specific nature of the argument was. But what I do remember is we got into this argument, and it was not going anywhere. And so I said, okay, I, I just need time because I don't know how to, I don't know how to share with you what I feel right now. I don't know emotionally where I'm at. Mentally, I'm just fried right now, and I cannot share with you. I cannot resolve. We cannot come to an agreement right now because I just need some time. And then Erica was like, oh, how much time do you need? I said, three days. <laughs> and I'm trying not to over-dramatize it, but you should have seen the look on her face. And I, I, we were reading Moses, uh, uh, Exodus, and the BRP, and you know, I was just imagining her saying, like, what do you do for three days? Like, go into the wilderness, sacrifice animals, and then come back or something like that? She's like, what are you going to do with three days if the Israelites can go and do the sacrifice and come back? What do you, why do you need three days to go and process some of these things? And, and I realized at that moment that I was not taking ownership of my own spiritual, my mental, and my emotional well-being. Because I just had no idea what I was feeling, why I was feeling. I could not articulate it, and it was affecting our relationship in that moment. We could not move forward. And it was causing a schism. It was causing a division in our relationship. And not that I'm, I'm not saying, like, we have to be perfect. Like, somehow we all have to be, because I'm very introverted. I know many of us are introverted. Like, oh, I just need some time, which is fine. But one thing I realized was I had no clue 
And in communication, Eric and I at least have worked out a, a system where, similar to what Pestis has shared earlier, if I'm going through something, she's just like, go take a walk. <laughs> she says, go take a walk, but don't take three days, don't, don't take a three days walk. But if I just need some time, I'm able to communicate and work through and process my emotions. But I realize, like, I need to take ownership. I have to be the one who's actively, proactively thinking because it's going to impact my relationship. It's not only going to impact me, it's going to impact someone else. And, and also for the aspect about proactively taking ownership of God's mission, I was really thankful that on Erica's side, she took ownership of God's mission for herself. Even as we're in Hong Kong, you know, with protests and COVID and everything happening, there were so many times where we felt this tension of like, yeah, as we're going to have a kid, and as we're thinking about education and everything, like, oh, there's, like, it would be so much easier to move back to the U.S. and have the comforts and have, a, you know, all that kind of stuff. But every time I asked her, like, are, you know, are, do you struggle with being in Hong Kong? Like, there are definitely some struggles. But he said, no, I feel convicted of being Hong Kong. I was like, well, I, and I, I said to her, well, I don't want you to make me the main reason just because we're married to be in Hong Kong. Like, that shouldn't be the primary reason because that's not going to help our relationship. That's not going to help our future. She said, oh, well, she didn't say it like this. But I was imagining she's, well, it was not because of you. And not, in a, not in a negative kind of way, but she's like, it's not because of you. And every single time she was able to reaffirm that, I just felt more confident that we are here together because God has called us in Hong Kong together. And, and she shared later on that the reason why she was able to stay and be here committed to Hong Kong, not simply because of relationship, is because she felt convicted before we even started dating that God wanted her to be here. And I'm so thankful for that because I've realized and I've seen other friends who've been in relationships where they were only going in a certain direction because they were in a relationship together. But as soon as they felt called to a different context, then it put a serious strain on the relationship. And so even with God's mission, you have to take ownership of what it is that God is calling you to do. So responsibility in life, that's something we got to have. And remember, it's got to be in the context of our relationship with God. Unless we are being filled with who God is, we have to make sure that we're taking responsibility because of God taking responsibility for us first. So that's responsibility in life. The fourth and last thing is that not only do we have to watch out for our issues, we have to op have openness to community, we need responsibility in life, but we also need to know yourself. You also need to know yourself to know others. You have to know yourself to know others. The three things are just about growth and awareness. And the first one is about growth and self-awareness. This is an internal awareness that we need to have, whether it's under understanding ourselves, our, our strengths, and our weaknesses, or, or anything else, else about yourself and what's going on inside. 1 Timothy 4, verse 16, it says, Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Notice what he says. He says, keep a close watch on yourself. So watch out for yourself, what's going on inside your heart, what's going on inside your mind. And therefore, what happens if he persists in this, what? By doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Isn't that an amazing concept? By watching yourself, by knowing yourself, by having some self-awareness, not only do you help yourself, but you also end up helping others. And, and we cannot help others unless we know ourselves, unless we're aware of what's going on inside. Because otherwise, if you have no idea what's going on inside mentally, emotionally, spiritually, then you could be living out of that, acting out of that, making decisions out of that, responding in anger and fear and frustration and negativity to other people without even knowing that. 
And so in order to love and to have great relationships and marriages, and married couples, you know very well by now, like a lot of the things that even Pastor Ed mentioned are family, past family issues. We don't even know some of those things that are so deeply embedded in us that just come out when we get triggered. And unless we're committed to knowing ourselves, the depths of what's going on inside, we're not going to be aware of how we're impacting other people negatively, negatively nor will we be able to impact people positively uh, unless we know where we're at ourselves. The second thing that we need to know is that we need to have growth and awareness of others. So the first was internal awareness. The second is external awareness. We have to know how people are reacting to us, how people are feeling, what's going on in their lives, what's their background, what's their history. The verse for this one is 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23 to 24. It says, Paul is saying, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. So just because you have internal awareness doesn't mean anything if you don't have external awareness. Just because you feel free to do whatever you feel like God is calling you to do doesn't mean that you could do whatever you want not knowing how it's going to affect someone else. And many of us, we operate like this. Like, oh, as long as I'm okay at peace, but maybe the thing that you're going to do is going to trigger someone else because of their family background, because of their history, and it's going to affect your relationship. And many of us that are married, we know it affects each other. And uh, this is where I have to share about my bewareness story. So I, uh, I had this nickname in university and even a couple years afterward of, I mean, some people still say it. They, they're like, every, every time that something related to awareness comes up and my name is next to it, they just put them together. Like, oh, that's bewareness. Why? Because uh, I, I was known for being completely unaware in both regards, both internally and externally. I have no idea what's going on inside my own mind and my own emotions, and I'm not very aware of what's going on with other people. And this came to a head even in my relationship with Erica in our marriage because uh, there was a situation where we had a conflict over how family ought to spend holidays together. And I wasn't aware. I, I, for me, growing up, holidays were just great. You know, it was free day. I could do whatever I want. And so I ended up using it, you know, after I got married, just to spend time with Life Group to do ministry. This is just normal, everyday stuff that I would do. And lo and behold, I came home, and we had a talk. <laughs> and uh, things were not okay because I wasn't aware of what she was feeling. And I found out that she had a complete different view of what family holidays should look like. And as we ended up talking, I mean, I was really thankful that we were able to talk it out and communicate about it. But one thing I really learned was me not being aware of how she felt, about what she understood, about what she cared about, made me completely, even though I was totally fine, I had no idea, I was ignorant, I felt like I was doing God's will, I was ministering to people, but I was totally ignorant of how it impacted her because I had no idea how it impacted her and her family background. And as we are talking about it more, I was like, man, I really need to grow an awareness. And as we talked about it a little bit further, what ended up happening was she ended up counseling me. I was like, are you, are you counseling me right now? And then in my mind, I was like, oh, man, in my pride, I'm like, I'm the man. I should be counseling you. And then I was like, oh, let me ask you a question. And even though it was out of my pride, it worked out so well because I think one thing to encourage us is you don't have to somehow magically know everything about everyone intuitively, but even part of external awareness is to even ask questions, to be curious, to be inquisitive about others. So as I was able to ask her, like, oh, what is your understanding of family? What do you feel like family should do? Then she was able to open up about her family background, about what their family did together on holidays and how we wanted to see our family look like as we were a family for different holidays and things like that. So uh, 
I just share that because, like, yeah, I've made so many different mistakes, but I'm encouraging us that it's, it's a process that we develop. It's not like you're, you're not internally aware, you're not externally, or, or you are, but you can grow in it by taking certain steps and doing so as early as possible, even before you're married, is going to help you in your marriage into the future. And, and I mean, these are a lot of things that I learned even through basic things like LCG. Before I started dating, as I was leading, or as I was counseling, or as I was discipling people, or as I was getting discipled, I was learning a lot of these things through my time in our church. And last thing, not only growing in self-awareness, growing in awareness of others, but also growth in God's mission. Seeing the needs around us, living each day aware of what, where God is moving, where, where the Spirit is calling you, not only individually, but also together in your relationship as you're married or as you're in a relationship or even as you're single. Where is God calling you? How can you meet the needs? Where, where does God want you to, to settle yourself down to be a light in a dark place? And uh, just as I share, just wrap up this section, I think one of the, my favorite things about being married and also like in my relationship with Erica is being able to minister together. Like as we pray together, as we've been praying, we've been trying to commit to praying together uh, weekly or every other week. And we've been saying, God, where is it that you want us to be a witness as a family? Are there people that you want us to reach out to? And it's been, it has been honestly one of the most eye-opening things because like I, I've shared many times, she's very hospitable and I'm not. So opening up our home before you know, the restrictions were tighter was such a new thing for me, but I discovered that I actually enjoy it. She also introduced me to ministering to some of the refugee families that we were able to be part of our church, I think, several years ago. And I'm thankful that because of my broken Mandarin and non-existent Cantonese, we've been able to even minister to taxi drivers and even some of the security guards within our building. And those are like, I mean, they're little, really small examples, but really awesome opportunities that I don't think I would have been able to see in ministry as a, as a partnership in my relationship that I'm able to see now because not only are we individually aware of what God is calling us to do, but now we're becoming more aware together of what God is calling us to do. So I'm, I'm praying that you would begin to know yourself, grow in knowing yourself so you can know others and you can know what God's plan is for us. So I just want to keep it there and then give us just, again, a really brief huddle group time and then Pastor said will close us out and then give us some time for the Q&A and panel. So the huddle group questions, again, just pick one of the two. You don't have to answer both. First one is, what areas of your life are most difficult to take responsibility in, and why? How can you begin to take responsibility in your relationships or your marriage? And second question is, how have you seen how internal and external awareness are important in relationships, and how can awareness help you to develop a stronger marriage or relationship? All right, welcome back, and we're just going to close out this time. I want to just give some really practical next steps, and then we're going to do some question and answer, and hopefully that we can close out afterwards. So I know many of you guys have been on Zoom the whole morning and afternoon, so we want to kind of give you some space to detox or decompress and just walk around or do something. So uh, let me just first start off and just share, uh, just once again from my heart, uh, the topic of relationships have been something that I've talked about for many, many years. And the reason why I'm kind of passionate about it is because I've seen so many people turn away from God just through relationships. And that has always broken my heart. I've seen many people where I just felt like God's hand was upon them. 
but because of certain things going on inside their hearts, they made some bad decisions. It's not that God doesn't love them. God can't redeem it. But I have seen so many people wounded and hurt. And that's the part that's always breaking me when I think about some of the things we could have avoided. But it's just like parenting. You could try to protect your children as best as you can, but they're going to slip and fall. And you want to do everything possible to help them back up so they can live this productive lives for the glory of God. Many of you, I don't know if you're going to fully understand the Father's heart, but one of these days you will. And the reason why we want to try to do everything possible to help you in relationships as well as some good marriages in the covenant ministry is because we really want to transform the world. We want to see lives being transformed and transform the world. And if there's anything that I've seen a lot of hindrances and people getting hurt is through relationships. That's the reason why. Not to, not to say that we don't want to take risk or take opportunities, but it's really we want to be able to, with the wisest and the most loving, God-honoring, people-honoring approach so that God can be glorified and we can do the things that God has called us to do. Let me just read you one quote as we talked about just watching out for our issues, openness to community, well, we have also talked about just being responsible in life as well as to know ourselves so we can know other people. This quote that I, I quote quite often, is, it's a very important quote to me because it, it's a lesson that I had to learn for many, many years. And I hope that this will make sense, especially those of you who are married. You, it will probably make more sense to you. To those of us who are in a relationship, I hope it's making more sense than it did when you were single. To those of you who are single, prepare and practice these things now so that when you do get into a relationship, that it will honor God. It's by C.S. Lewis, and listen to what he says. He says this, When I have learned to love God better than my earthly dearest, I shall love my earthly dearest better than I do now. Insofar as I've learned to love my earthly dearest at the expense of God and instead of God, I shall be moving towards a state in which I shall not love my earthly dearest at all. When first things are put first, second things are not suppressed but increased. What a great reminder for us that when you put God first and your greatest pursuit in, in His supremacy over us, then all the things that you love here on this earth, the people whether it's your spouse or your friends, your family, instead of suppressing it, it will just increase because as God fills you, you're going to be able to have more to love the people around you. But the more you begin to love your earthly dearest and neglect your love for God, you're only going to be able to love them with your own love, which will run out. And this is the reason why we keep on stressing the importance of growing in our relationship with God. So as I mentioned before, the one thing that I shared is that when we embrace God, Christ's supremacy over our lives, over our love lives, over our families, over our marriage, then we can grow deeper in intimacy and to know Him more and to love people more. Let me just give us some quick next steps. And they're very simple ones, but you could apply this the way you feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. The first thing is this. The first next step is be prepared. That's what this whole talk was about, just being prepared. Work on the things that you need to work on and do it in the context of life group. That's one of the best ways 
get involved in LCG, get involved in life group, get involved in some of the different activities because that's how it's going to, it's a lab to learn the gospel, to practice the gospel, to practice the practical skills of communication and all these other things that are going to be required. So be prepared. Use this time. If you're single, use this time as a preparation stage so that you could be more ready for that next stage of life. The second thing is this, be prayerful. As you know, this is going to be the most important decision you make outside of receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I've always said to people, the person you marry will either make you or break you. And I've seen many married people who ended up marrying somebody. And I'm not saying that it wasn't God's will. They ended up marrying somebody, not what they expected. And so now they cannot do the things that God is placing on their hearts. And when I see that, it breaks my heart. It can either make you or break you. And when you have somebody that God has brought together into your life and you work together for the kingdom of God, it's a beautiful thing. And I would love to see more of you in that way. So it's going to take some prayer. It's going to take discernment from the Lord. Also, prayer changes us. When you pray, it changes us. I know some of you are getting older and you're like, oh my God, am I ever going to get married or what's going to happen to me? So all this anxiety is being filled up. And guess what? You're going to make a decision in that kind of state of mind and you're going to make a bad decision. That's why I always encourage people, don't make any major life-changing decision when you're not growing close with your relationship with God. It should always be in light of your relationship with God. So be prayerful during this time. Also, some of you who are married, if there are different situations you're going through in your marriage or with your children, this is a great time just to commit yourself to prayer. I mean, there were many times where I just had to pray for Christina. There are many times where I know she was praying for me without even me knowing. We had to pray together for our kids as they went through different things, as we went through so many transitions. Sometimes you just have to throw your hands up in the air and say, God, I cannot change this person, but you could change me. So change me, Lord. And that's what prayer does. It changes us. And it allows God to hear us and work in His powerful way. The third thing is this. Be proactive. Uh, gentlemen, let me just say this. One of the reasons, and I, I talked to many different sisters and over coffee and we're just talking and one of their lamenting is that a lot of these guys are passive. And so I would really encourage you if your personality is a little bit more on the passivity side or you're just kind of like what, whatever, like hang out with some brothers, older brothers who are a little bit more proactive. They look like they're focused people. They have some direction in life and learn from them. I would also encourage you to set up some appointments to meet up with some of the married couples in our church to talk with them and say, how did this start? And, you know, what did you do? And just get some ideas and prayerfully understand what God is doing. Read the book of Ruth, beautiful book. Ruth was a little bit proactive and she got Naomi involved. Because Boaz was just doing his Boaz thing. And then he just realized, wait a minute, who's, who's near my foot? Who's on this corner of my blanket? And he realized, oh, this is my kinsman redeemer. And we, we should, I, well, yeah, we did do a sermon on that. Anyway, we, we, we could always talk about Book of Ruth, right? So be proactive. And part of it is meet up with some of the older mentors. Uh, you know, and this is the thing. I want to just encourage us. Like, how do you, in a God-honoring way, if you're interested in somebody, to take that approach. This is my word of advice. Whether you're a girl or a guy, 
Because I know some of you girls are like, he is so dumb, you know, he needs bull awareness. If he doesn't, if he doesn't, if you don't smack him over the head, he won't even know you're there. So what do I do, pastor? Or the guys are like, you know, just standing around. Let, let me just give you some advice. I always tell people, find a facilitator. Usually a good facilitator is someone that knows that girl and knows you. So then what they will be able to do is as they hear your heart and what you've been praying about, the direction you're going, then they can help facilitate and find out where this girl is. Is she even interested in relationship? Is that where she's at right now? Because sometimes by having a facilitator, they can actually counsel you. Hey, bro, they're in the middle of praying for something that's huge. I just don't think you should approach her. Some people are, well, I'm going to approach her. Then I will go for it. I'm not going to stop you. And then they approach and they're like, no. And then you come back and like, oh, man, life stinks. And I'm just like, if you just waited, I don't know how many guys that I just said, this is not the right timing. But in their impatience, they pulled the trigger and they said no. But if they waited, they might have said yes. So once again, find a facilitator. We live in a culture where it's all about independence. I want to do what I want to do. You'll be foolish. Instead of flourishing, you're going to be foolish. And I really pray that you will learn. Just learn how to be proactive. Talk to some older people, getting to know them. And I think that will help you. The fourth, I, th I think there's one, two more. Next one is be purposeful. Don't just wait around, but be purposeful in growing. That's part of the preparedness. That's part of the proactiveness. Also, be a little bit more intentional. Now, I understand that we, we, many of you are single adults, so it's easier to just go on a one-on-one -on -one date. I mean, we understand that. But I really, it's, some of you, one of these days, you'll believe me. One of these days. I don't know. Right now, you're like, oh, whatever, Pastor. Usually those people who have been in a relationship and it didn't work out, they're the ones who are always cheering me on. Those of you who have never been in a relationship, like, oh, whatever, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm okay. You don't have to agree with me. But if I, it becomes true later, then at least buy me coffee, okay? You owe me coffee then. What I'm trying to say is this. Listen to me carefully. When I say be purposeful, is that there are a lot of things where you can go to and you could purposely find out if this is a person that you click with or it's a possibility of developing deeper friendship. Some of you guys think, oh, we always have to go out one-on-one. -on -one. No, you don't. In fact, I always tell people you might be fooled because who will put their worst foot forward on a date? No. All you see is the good things. But don't you want to see all the bad things too to really find out who this person is? One of the best ways to do that is to be purposeful and intentional when you go to different activities, when you go to a life group, when it's an opportunity to serve. Are people there? If you guys do a Zoom workout, are they there? You know, you, 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 you got to know these things. You know, you got to find out what's happening. And so if you're interested in, you know, exercise and staying healthy, and that person is exercising and staying healthy, oh, we might have something in common. So once again, I think one of the best ways to find out and being purposeful and intentional in building that relationship. Lastly is be positive. I know some of you get really discouraged and say, oh my God, there's nobody. And the more you stay negative, I'm telling you right now, you're going to draw people away from you. Is there anybody in your life that you really love hanging around with, but they're the most negative people? No. Usually negative people are alone. Be positive. And ladies, smile. I'm telling you, there's something about a, a, just a beautiful smile that draws people. That's what drew me to Christina, you know, smile. And men, smile too. 
right? It's not just the ladies. Men, some of you go, hmm. And they're like, oh, you're giving an impression. So be positive. Be ready. You just never know. So take a shower, you know, and dress up nice as best as you can, you know. It's not all about the external, but just be presentable. And so stay positive. And I'm going to believe that God's going to do some great things. So we're going to go into question and answer. And what we're going to do at this time is I know some of you are still thinking, wait a minute, I have some questions. I want to answer it because you said some stuff that made no sense or I disagree with you, whatever. Or a question popped up. So we're going to put the QR code one more time and we're going to try our best to answer it. If some of these questions are not being answered, please set up an appointment with Pastor Bo, myself, or any of the leaders. We would love to just sit down and talk. Remember what I said, meet up with some of the married couples. Say, hey, can I buy you lunch? You know, and they'll be like, oh, you're such a nice person, but you grill them with all these questions, you know. What did you do? How did this happen? So uh, bug them. And so you could even ask some of the married couples. We have some married couples online, so I, I'm just thinking about having them answer some of the questions because some of them have experience, a lot of experience, so they can share from some of their thoughts as well. Hello, welcome to our Q&A session. Uh, I'm Kareen from Jeep. And I'm not Peter Young. He's not, yes. Uh, not very close. <laughs> uh, but uh, today, uh, we have different panelists. So we're going to spotlight some of our panelists. Uh, some of them are on Zoom, and two of us are here. This is Pastor Seth, uh, if you don't know already. Uh, we had a lot of great teaching just now, but I know that there's different specific questions that people have. Uh, so this time, I'm going to look into my phone, different questions that we compiled uh, that we wanted to answer to some of the questions that you guys ask. Uh, and I think uh, in PCF Next Step just now, I uh, actually covered something uh, that the first question, a very popular question uh, that a lot of you ask is the readiness, about readiness. Uh, I think one thing is a lot of people wonder, how do they know that they are ready for marriage or for relationship? And th in this category, uh, even someone is saying that financially, how am I be able to ready for marriage? Uh, someone just like, what about my character? When I go in and how can I even find one that I'm, you know, I, I'm able to love? So what do you think, Kareem? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Should we ask Peter? Yes, please. Yes, Peter Young. Hey, uh, hi, I'm Peter. Peter. Oh, here, here Echo. Echo. Okay. Um, hi, I'm Peter. I'm from Ginseng Life Group. And yeah, I mean, I think just around readiness, um, I could little bit just talk about like the financial aspect but then also just in character and just being able to grow in that but uh just over the one desire fast too i think one of the things that god was showing me from like if only statements was that oh at this point i like feel very inadequate in terms of being able to provide financially or these things and so like i think there's a little bit of a concern when i'm like thinking about like proposing marriage all that good stuff and so i i, I felt a little bit um just yeah worried am i going to be able to do those things but then i think throughout the time um yeah just really believing that you know god will provide at the end of the day but one thing that i've heard in different um even the video one time i think we were going through the the attributes of real men and also talking about women and those qualities and you know it said that even through being you know married or in a committed relationship those are actually times when people are most responsible for their finances too because they realize that there's a purpose and there's a reason why they want to save or even uh 
have better spending habits. And so I think sometimes it's, you know, in Hong Kong, especially with like rising rent costs and different things, it's easy to think that, oh, I have to be having this much money to be able to be in a relationship. But I think also realizing that within a relationship, it'll help you to have a purpose as to why you want to save. I think in terms of understanding readiness, I mean, you know, I think there's just basic things that I feel like are helpful. One, being able to understand the gospel is huge because I think it, it will help you to, when you're centered around the gospel and understanding what Jesus has done, then I think even in your relationships, when you have conflicts or different you know, things that go on, you'll be able to point each other back to the gospel. But I think if those things aren't in place, then you're going to be, you know, trying to think about it in human wisdom and making, you know, decisions and calls based upon that. And so I think that's one of the things that I've seen very helpful, even in relationship with uh, Kareen and being able to work through conflicts and different things too. Erica, you want to add? <laughs> I mean, I think, yeah, like now being a, a new, newer mom, I think I realized like some of the same muscles. It's so true, like persevering, like having tenacity, being sacrificial. I, I just get flashbacks like to different times in my life where those things were tested before. So I think for me, it was like when I was in grad school, like really being stretched thin, um, learning how to be generous and sacrificial. I feel like those are same. It's like a similar, like a very familiar feeling, but then it's like tested and now being um, challenge like in this context. And so I feel like maybe even just like thinking about, okay, have I grown in character um, or are there moments that God is, you know, using to actually build my character in this season of life when I'm single and other areas, because those things will continue to, I guess, like transfer over to different situations um, as we do, you know, grow in different life stages. So I think that'll be one thing I would say. Thank you. Uh, I think from even what Erica shared, uh, there's a specific scenario that we're looking at that I know uh, different people in our church uh, that um, are just different question that we see here that uh, one scenario, it's a lot of even in the Kahoot just now, a big part that people can't tolerate is cheating or just dishonesty in a relationship. Uh, and what about people that felt hurt before from a previous relationship they were cheated on? And this hinder a lot about so-called their readiness and their character. They see that insecurity coming out very strong. And how can they overcome this uh, in this situation? Um. I talked a lot. <laughs> you, you know, just to some of the married couples, um, as you can tell on the Zoom, I don't know if uh, the holes are still here, uh, Al Alfred and Virginia. Uh, you know, I would love for them to kind of share a little bit. You know, we're, we're going to try to keep everything short, but I think they will have some good insights along with uh, we have Dr. Yap and then also Camilla. She's also on it. So uh, please uh, feel free to jump in whenever you guys want to share because right now yeah, I'm um, suck on my yeah, uh, candy. So, okay. So, yes. Yep, yep. Well, I'm going to share Peter, who said uh, regarding uh, whether you can afford or not. In fact, I think uh, if uh, both people got married, they, they spend less uh, when they are single and they're courting because then they meet with each other and then uh, they live in the same house and uh, the, the expenses all will be less than when if they are uh, eating out a lot when they are courting. And then also they have uh, the issue of uh, renting. When, it, when they rent uh, the place where they can um, uh, save on certain foods and also the uh, utilities, and I think it, it boils down to uh, the, the more important thing is not the, the amount of money, 
they really they can afford. It's just the relationship and the strength. And uh, as uh, you mentioned, uh, and your and your your faith and the trust in God. I think that's the most important thing. And then the other things will uh, take care of itself. Um, if they can't um, if they can't get get around to uh, uh, you know meet a meeting uh, you know they making your ends meet, then they they will have to work harder. So that's my experience. Thank you. Thank I, I was going to yeah. just say, I mean, to answer the specific question, uh, I mean, it's, it's understandable. Uh, I don't think we should just brush it off. I don't think your future spouse or the person you're in a relationship can just ignore it. If you've been hurt through uh, someone cheating on you, and that, that hurts really deep. And so it's a really good question. I, I would say one thing is just to be able to really process it uh, a lot of times, part of learning how to be set free is to be able to forgive. And I think a lot of times we hold on to things for too long and they become like baggage or weight that pulls you down. So, yes, they sinned against you. Yes, they hurt you. But if you can work through it where you're just releasing them from the prison of your heart, uh, I really believe you can restore just that trust in your future spouse or whoever that might be. You probably definitely need some accountability, somebody to constantly remind you of the truth. Because sometimes when I meet some people who have gone through a betrayal, a lot of times they go through a lot of lies that Satan places in their minds. Like you're not good enough, or you weren't that pretty, or like you weren't able to do this or that. And so those lies keep on coming back. So when you really have some good accountability, people who love you, who are going to journey with you, speak truth to you, you just need constant reminders. So think of it as like a muscle where you have to build it up over and over until it gets really strong or some kind of natural reactionary thing. It just takes practice. So get into the word, prayer, good community, and just being able to release those things and forgive. And I think that's going to be the beginning stages of uh, God restoring some of that relationship. Uh, I mean, I, I, mean, think, I think just... just <laughs> sorry. Uh, just quickly, um, just add... Sorry, just keeps feedbacking. But I think just quickly, just adding on to that, I mean, I think some practical things is just to help one another be aware of some of those things. I think that just helps to uh, communicate, hey, like these are some areas that I'm struggling with. But then on top of that, I would say, yeah, that accountability aspect or having someone who's by you, because I know that there could be different questions that come to mind or like, you know, I think, oh, like, why is this person like this? And so even in my relationship with, you know, Kareem, being able to voice it out to people, I realized that like not that I've been cheated on before but I think with different struggles I think being able to talk it through with somebody and hoping to get a different perspective that really helps to understand oh, okay maybe that person isn't you know doing shady things but you know I think being able to just have that honest dialogue and communication is really helpful thank you and what we're talking about even actually comes down to the healthy boundaries because I think it's we're you know pouring our heart and all our effort in the relationship at times that we, we became so dependent of one another so I think a lot of us also wonder was actually a healthy boundary instead of like when do we know that it became so toxic and that we're so relying on one another so I see what Erica have some thoughts on this <laughs> Do I have thoughts on this? Yes. Um, I think 
I mean, maybe I think for me, like, I think what really helped is um, being able to look outside of the relationship. Like, I think, I think one for me personally is like developing my own sense of identity and security that God really did work in me. I think like during my single years, I think that really helped me because I think that gave me like less reason to look to someone else like Pibo um, to fulfill or satisfy like my needs or like, you know, my desires. And so I think being able to just be secure, I think, and content with God definitely was like tested a lot in my twenties, I would say. And I think that really helped, I think, even in what I expect or look to in my significant other to fulfill some of those emotional needs. And I think also like, I mean, for us, like being able to like look outside of ourselves really does help. Cause I think like even, you know, ministry now too, I feel like, you know, being able to invest in things outside of ourselves, I think that's just healthy for our relationship because we know that we are sharing these values and we're able to see that like this marriage and relationship is not meant to be insular, but it's meant to actually like, yeah, pour out and be a blessing to other people. And I think that helps to not also be so codependent or just, yeah. So like inward focused, um, I think in our marriage and our relationship, um, and I mean, boundaries, I feel like, yeah, just being able to like understand even like the needs of each other. So like, I think emotional things or like even um, relate different relational things, being able to understand one another just helps to know like what the needs are so that when like one, when one person is struggling, like now I kind of know like for people or if he knows for myself, like what are our triggers or what we might look to instead of, you know, God or like being able to like deal with things when we are like, you know, stretched or when we're really under high pressure or stress, it's easy to kind of like look to other things. I think being able to like have a healthy mechanism and to support and hold each other accountable in those moments, I think also um, do help, yeah. Thank you. Uh, I think also on Zoom that we saw Virginia uh, from Jeep is also typing. And uh, one of the questions that we saw even uh, that relate a little bit more to our context is uh, that uh, for different calling, different directions, because I think uh, Virginia herself can share more. Uh, what, what if you know that uh, the person that you're dating or you, uh, you guys are trying uh, to walk closer to one another, but find out that your calling is really different than uh, even on that end, like how would you respond or what will be your thoughts on this? Um, I'm not sure. Oh, sorry, the speaker's back here. Okay, so we had one comment on like the first part, which was that we've talked to a lot of couples, especially like younger grad students that are married. And we have, in fact, one couple, both of us were thinking of immediately on the last question, which is um, they, even after marriage, they had a time when they couldn't be right together. And it became clear that the woman had not been able to like, be okay by herself, like live independently or trust, you know, be grounded in her relationship with God. And so then when her husband needed to be away for work for a short period of time, she had a complete breakdown because it turned out she'd been depending on him for her spiritual well-being, for leadership. And I think as women, when we talk about we want men to be leaders, that's absolutely true and it's so important. But what we cannot do is expect that the guy is going to lead our spiritual walk or like be Jesus to us. Like and we also, on practical level, need to be able to live independently so that each of us in the, in the couple are able to stand on our own two feet. That's the best way that we as a couple can then serve others and be active in ministry and be outward focused because we're not trying to like fill each other's holes or gaps or whatever. We're, we're able to serve um, together as a team, like moving forward toward others and being outward facing and serving that way. I want to clarify one more thing is that when we, when Virginia talk about independence, 
it, it's not necessarily meaning about economic independence, right? We, we are, some people could choose to stay at home or men or women, but the independence is actually, uh, I think about uh, both of us actually have our own identity, know who we are, understand our own strengths and, and vulnerabilities, and then be able to connect with God. And then together we, we chase after God and then we become closer to each other. I don't, I'm sure uh, Pastor uh, Seth and Pastor Paul have come across that triangular relationship, but it's not for the husband and wife to act, come together. It's because they are going after the, the upper triangle, the upper angle, right? It's going towards God, closer to God, and then we'll come closer together. And so I think that is the, uh, I think that's what Virginia and I mean about having that uh, independent uh, relationship towards God together, yeah. I didn't know if there's another, another question. question. We can maybe, we can maybe let, let someone, someone else do. <laughs> but, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the wisdom. Uh, I think that's uh, wisdom that after you've been in marriage for um, more than a decade, <laughs> that wisdom coming out. Because I think other two decades, two, two de decades, more than two decades, yeah. decades. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think because another question that uh, come up quite a lot is how do you resolve conflicts in relationship? Uh, it's even what Virginia and Albert shared just now. It's like you have to be on the same page to be sent off to different calling to have that security in uh, every individual that you're able to uh, be looking to what uh, to at God. Uh, so, so when you are on a different page, and how do you get? get the other person on board is something, uh, another readiness related question. Uh, and I wonder, uh, do our panel have more wisdom speaking on this? Uh, I would say it takes humility and being able to uh, die to yourself in some ways. Um, so I think there's been many times, even in my, in my relationship with Kareen, like different times we've, well, I would say I've been just a more stubborn one overall. And so she's a lot more patient with me and all these things. Um, but, you know, I think there would be times where like, I'm just like, oh, like I want to hold it in and like make her feel bad or different things. And, you know, just really seeing my own sin coming out through that. But it really has to be, hey, like I've done wrong and there's some aspect of my own sin and being able to understand that for myself and then being able to come together and say, hey, like, you know, this is where I messed up. And, you know, I want to apologize for those things. And so um, it does take a lot of humility. And I think Kareen has been very gracious to me to show me a lot of forgiveness at times. And, you know, even when I didn't want a conflict resolute, she's very patient in those moments. And so I think being able to in those moments, yeah, just know that for myself, man, like there's something that I could come to, um, come to God about and be humble and share those things. So, yeah. Um, I guess like for me, I feel like before we got engaged and married, I feel like that was one thing that I, that kind of gave me like confirmation, like, oh, I feel like we were able to um, like confront conflicts and kind of resolve them well. And I think once we did that, I felt like in my mind, I was like, oh, conflicts aren't bad, but they actually like strengthen the relationship. If, if both people are, if the end goal is not just to prove one side right or wrong, but it's like, oh, we're actually trying to work towards something together. I feel like that really helps in my mindset of how I look at conflict. And then I think now it's like, now I kind of know, okay, well, yeah, if we're both willing to talk through it, both we willing to like acknowledge our mistakes and like, yeah, concede. And then also, then also, and also like have practical things we can work towards. So I know, I know people shared like the examples of like, differences in like our, you know, values of holiday or like hosting, whatever. But I think when we sit down and talk about it, it's like, 
how can we be constructive and then and know that we're on the same team and we're trying to actually move forward together and that these conflicts are helping us to kind of tease some of those things out. So I think being able to even maybe also like talk and talk and share about our views of conflict and like how we like like the example he shared about him going on a walk. It's like, oh, in my mind, I'm like, it doesn't make sense to take so much time to deal with it. But if he needs that, then maybe it's like, OK, it's good for our relationship if I understand that and then give him the space and the time to actually like process because he's different from how I resolve conflict internally as well. So. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'll, 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 think, uh, I'll say something about uh, uh, knowing ourselves. Dr. Yeah, I think you're muted. You have to unmute. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I'm going to say it again. It's almost impossible to know um, the other person after maybe two years, maybe even three years. I mean, we, I, I don't know myself fully, so it's very uh, difficult to know uh, your, the, the, your partner uh, very well uh, before marriage. So you, you need to go on certain basic uh, principle, uh, basic characters, uh, which you think is compatible with you. And it's, uh, so Pastor Zell said, uh, you know, to be a Christian. So I think for, for those who are thinking of, of whether they're ready to get married. So if you think that you are quite happy with the person, then uh, I think you have to make a decision. And, and then uh, you, as we, uh, uh, after marriage, and you come to learn a lot of things from the other partner. And, but the most important thing is, uh, you know, to, to be a Christian. And then the other main things that the, the character is, uh, is compatible. I think that's, uh, for me, I think that's the most important. Thank you, thank you. I think speaking of uh, compatibility, uh, another area that a lot of us wonder is actually, uh, about what about sexual attraction because I think a lot of things that you can talk it out you can communicate in events uh, but then if we want to uphold the rule that honoring our future spouse that uh, we're not having sex before marriage then how do we know are we compatible like how much is this element playing into a relationship I actually don't know I'm gonna call up that's the one I want to say it's a good question but let me let me turn it around um, sexual or compatibility. Uh, whoever's asking that question, I I'm sure that there's different thoughts or you have probably more clarification, but I'm just going to take it for what it's worth. Just like, what if we don't know if we're sexually compatible or not? Um, this is kind of like, the question I want to ask is, what if you're not? Would you then just drop her or drop him? Because I think what you are dictated by, whoever you are, like I said, I don't know you, so I'm just going to speak truth in a loving way, is that ask any of the older couples or people who have been married, you're not going to have sex every single day. I'm just speaking real talk right now. Sometimes they do it once a week. Sometimes it's like once every two weeks. Sometimes it's like once a month. I know some couples don't do it often at all. So if you're thinking, oh my God, if I'm not sexually compatible with this person, if the deal's done, it's over. I'm, I'm, then I realize that you don't really have a good perspective of what marriage is. In fact, I don't think you should get married. I think you should wait a little bit longer. Uh, another thing is this, another question. I just have questions for you, whoever you are. And like I said, I'm doing this respectfully because I don't know who you are. But I, if you want to talk to me personally, then, then set up an appointment. But if it's you, because I'm sure this is something that you've thought about is that how would you then, if you do like everything about that person, 
but then you realize that, or you're not sure about sexual compatibility. What do you want them to do? Go see a prostitute and learn things, and then you guys can do it? I mean, do you, do you see where this is leading? If it's all about sex in a relationship, which I'm not saying that it's not important, but if it's all about sex, then you're only getting a small snippet of what makes a good marriage. It's not just sex. There's so many other areas of it. And another thing about sex is that it's kind of like, um, I, well, I got to be careful. Wow, we're getting to like rated R or close to X. Listen, there are some things that are very intuitive. And I, I think th there are things where you can actually be compatible by, listen carefully, by working on communication. I, I'm going to be straight up. I mean, this is what I advise to a lot of my premarital counseling uh, before I marry them and stuff. If you work on your communication, you're going to have great sex. Great sex is about communication. If you communicate really well, you're going to have great sex. Why? Because you touch that person there, they're like, ow. Then you're like, okay, that's not good. If they're like, wow, that's great. Then you'll be like, oh, I get it. This, is, this, 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 this works. So what you do is you actually learn to get sorry, I'm sorry, I, I, I know I should stop here, but anyway, if my wife was here, she would have been like, what is your problem? Just try to keep it, you know, PG. But I, I like real talk. I'm just speaking from my heart. It really is about communication. And even though you don't know how well they're in bed, if you could communicate well, I'm telling you right now, you will have a great sex life because communication is a very important part of it. And you can learn together. And uh, that's just my encouragement because the other options is you sleep around and find the person that you really have great sex with. I don't think that's really honoring to God. And then you want them to learn, and so you're gonna give, l lend them to somebody so they can learn things and then come back to you so that you could then be sexually satisfied. I don't think that's good either. So your choices are very limited. So what I would say is just focus on communication and you'll have a great sex life. If you don't, then come and talk to me as we do pre-metal and we'll work it out, you know? And we're, we're not ashamed of my wife and I, we, we talk about things. Anyway, I love you. <laughs> yes, and I think uh, besides PSEP, we're another uh, older couple that wanted to share their yes. experience and wisdom too. Yeah, so Alfred and I were just talking offline a little bit, but one of the things I wanted to say, first of all, 100% agree with Pastor Seth, and one of the best pieces of advice that we got in our premarital counseling was that like the quality of your sex life is a, it's a barometer. It's a reflection of like how well is the rest of your relationship. So if you have brokenness in your relationship, then that aspect will not go well. If you have health in your relationship and you're close to one another spiritually first and then emotionally, then that it's just like naturally going to be healthy. Um, and so some people, if you see on the movies or whatever, it's like, oh, you know, you have a bad relation, physical relationship, or like I'm testing this person out. It's like totally reverse of how we should be thinking about it. And that was the main thing that I wanted to jump in and say, I think the person asking this question is suggesting that it's very risky maybe to not have a sexual relationship before marriage, because what if it's bad, you know, like, okay, so I need to try out sexually first. And sometimes in the movies, it's like a first date thing or something. And that is just totally wrong and not biblical. And if some of you have tried that, I hope that you have not, I hope that God will heal some of the hurt from that and like the baggage that that brings and God can do that. But um, the idea is that like, you're gonna test all those things out, but that's not, that suggests that the foundation is your physical relationship. And that's like a, like a threshold. 
but it's totally reversed. Like biblically, our foundation is spiritual closeness and partnership, and then emotional closeness and partnership, and then physical closeness and partnership, which reflects our relationship with God. And there's a cool spiritual dimension to that that you totally miss if you skip the first two steps. And like Pastor Seth said, like, like all of this is about growing closer in your marriage while you're married, like learning the other person and communicating and all that. And you don't need to do that with 50 people to get that one relationship right. You just need to build that closeness with your marriage partner and let God like work through your relationship uniquely. But like half of our views on this is all from like Hollywood and it's totally not true. So just wanted to say that. Thank you, thank you. Uh, I think in that regard, even talking a lot about, again, for the both of them to communicate, to get to uh, where you're loving one another in that way. And I think like one question that comes up is also, how do you call out the other person in a loving way? Because a lot of time you're like, I just wish they know about this. Uh, and then it, normally if you don't do it with love, you easily go into a big argument or just felt misunderstood. Uh, and this question comes down to, how do you, how do you help that person to reduce their self-centeredness? This question a little self-centered, I would say. <laughs> uh, you gotta try to cast out demons and, uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I don't know, maybe some of you guys could answer. I, I, I think, yeah, I, I would definitely say it will require uh, just a lot of bumps in the road where you learn from mistakes. And I, I think uh, Christina really got wise in when to bring things up. When I'm really stressed, I have all these things on my mind regarding church or other stuff, she rarely brings things up because I'm just not going to respond well because my mind is so consumed. But she feeds me or she does something, and then I'm just like, oh, okay. I'm like, yeah, sure. So sometimes you just grow in wisdom of knowing when to bring things up. And I think sometimes we got to work it together and talk through together. Sometimes our selfishness is part of our natural human flesh. So that has to be sanctified, and that takes uh, love for each other and other people. That's why I'm a big fan of making sure that even though you guys get married, brothers, make sure you still have good brothers' relationships. Don't give that up. Continue to build. I still meet with some of my friends that I've known for 38, almost 40 years now, uh, once a month, and we have a Zoom phone conference all over the world. We just kind of connect. And just having this kind of friendship is really helps me to grow because they know me so well. So if I act all cool, like I'm somebody, they're like, we know you, man. And so they kind of keep me grounded. And then my wife, she has a lot of friends that she knew from high school and college, and she's still in, in contact with them. So just having good friendships also helps you to address the different things in your life. So just keep that in mind. Um. Yeah, one thing for Korean men, we just need good food. I'm kidding. But uh, so I, I think, <laughs> but I, I think just uh, one thing, like, I feel like for all these questions, I, I mean, it'll be just interesting to know, like, more of the specifics of, you know, each of those conflicts or what whatever that comes up. But a lot of the principles, if you apply it, like communication, awareness, right, I think those are the things that even P. Seth was talking about in his answer is that if you're able to be aware and can communicate I think that will be helpful in being able to bring things up in a way that is helpful for the other person and also. Um, 
yeah, I mean, I think being able to do it in love, I, I think whenever I try to bring things up, it, I have to always think about my own motivations too, or like, why, why is it that I'm bringing it up? Is it because I want this person to know Jesus more or is it about me and what this person isn't doing for me and so I think being able to understand um, the motivations even behind it too I think Camilla wants to talk you can unmute yourself Camilla yeah um I agree like um also I think for uh, women women and men our brains are wired differently and because uh, I used to talk with my husband while he's doing something like in the middle of he's doing something and for women it's so natural because we can multitask our brain can have different um, you know projects going on at the same time but for men it, it's only one thing so when I was talking to him and he didn't listen to me or pay attention to me I was I, I, I was really mad. I was thinking like, why you are so self-centered? You know, I jumped into that conclusion um, quickly, but after a lot of learning and of course communication, now I learned, okay, don't talk to him while he's working or he's doing something, maybe just after, you know, after that you ask, after that you just um, try to bring something up and then, also like ask questions. Oh, are you listening? Uh, what did I see? What, what did I say just now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, just ask questions, something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's not, sometimes it's not really like self-centered, but just different scenarios. Yeah. You Just our brain mm -hmm. are different. Yeah. Amen and amen. All I gotta say. Oh, amen for you. Amen. Amen. Yes. Uh, thank you for the wisdom. Uh, another question, actually, uh, is a pretty popular one that is related to the message that was shared earlier, that you mentioned same-sex attraction earlier in your message. Uh, it's, we know that we got in a few questions about this aspect, that uh, God's love through, God shows love through marriage, but how do you reconcile that for same-sex marriage and relationship? Yeah. I mean, I, I can just answer really briefly, like, I think we should always operate on the principle of love. And that's something that I'm learning over the years. And I think that's something that we should always promote because it's really about loving people. But also we have to understand that the other component is learning how to love God. And whenever God has given us some truth and revealed that to us, uh, that's something that we want to try to uphold. So I don't think it's necessarily incompatible to disagree on certain things and still love. And as you get older, you realize that there are a lot of things that you might disagree with some people, but you can still love them and respect them. I think that's really important. So I just find it very hard to go against what we see in Scripture. And sometimes we are more dictated by the culture and what the culture says rather than what Scripture says. And so we want to try to stick with that as much as possible. And so for HMCC, uh, I want to I be a church that's known that it's an incredible loving church that builds community, that it lives for the mission of God, to share the gospel to as many people as possible, and, and upholds the scriptures, uh, the inerrant word of God. So I think because of that, uh, we don't believe in the same-sex marriage, but we can love people still in that way to be able to say, hey, you have a different view on this, but we want to be able to honor God and to honor you and to love you. So it, you don't have to condone or to... Um, 
believe what they believe in order to love them. So I think that's something that we just have to be clear on, yeah. Thank you. Uh, I think it, it's been a very fruitful Q&A session. Uh, we wanted to wrap up here, uh, that just with a lot of wisdom, a lot of sharing, a lot of learning today, uh, to wrap up with even with our topic, his and hers. Uh, we wonder how can we embrace singleness? Uh, what's like we can able to grow internally first before pointing fingers or looking at the other person that you should grow on this. And how do we wrap up uh, just on this regard? And how can we even find the other person as we're looking inside and externally, a lot of things that looking at. And how do we wrap up on this as, as we uh, wrap up t today's relationship seminar? Well, I mean, just because of time, let me, let me just cl close out with this. And uh, like I said before, relationship is always a difficult issue. And I know some of you have been hurt by it. Uh, some of you are even doubting God because you're wondering, does he really love me? Does he know me enough that I do want to get married? But there is, any, there is no one who's either approaching me or that I could approach. Um, my encouragement to you is... Once again, there's no magic formula, but I really feel like the more you grow in your relation with God, uh, the more you're going to be able to not only be satisfied with Him, but I think the deepest part is about trust. I used to really love it when my kids were so young, where all they knew was just me and Christina, and we were their whole world. And that's why I think God, Jesus Christ, when He came, He always talked about having a, a faith like a child, not to be childish, but to have like a childlike faith. And when I saw my kids growing up at that really tender age of like six, seven, even all the way up to about eight some years old, like when you see them, they're so trusting of you because they believe that you have their best interests in mind because you're feeding them every day, right? You're going out do, doing a lot of fun things. So you're their whole world. And they don't doubt that you love them. They don't doubt that you uh, don't have their best interests in mind. They just trust and I was just thinking, like, that's the kind of heart that we need, that I pray that we will get to. Because I think as you get older, you get more jaded. You get more disillusioned. You get hurt more. You start seeing the reality of life. And it's really easy to lose that childlike faith and to really see God as the perfect father who loves you, who has a wonderful plan for you. He, he wants the best for you. And so sometimes we wonder, does he really? Why is he giving me this? Or why is this happening? And this is where I would say, let's go back to trusting in Him, loving Him. And that will be the testimony that God is going to write. One of the most beautiful stories that I've seen over and over again is that every single time we try to do something, it doesn't work out. But when we learn how to rest in Him, trust in Him, and then God brings about a love story, that's when you want to tell the whole world how awesome God is. That's when you want to tell people how great and good He is. Because once again, you didn't really do much, but God was leading you every step of the way, and he brought that person towards you. And so I pray that that will be the case. So because of time, I'm just going to pray for us, and then Pastor Bo will come up and share some announcements, and then oh, we'll release you. So, sorry once again for spending so much time this whole morning and afternoon. Uh, I, I think I lost my voice, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drink some more. <laughs> I'm going to eat some more of the cough drops. And just kind of rest my voice. But I, I want to I believe by faith that God is going to do some great things. I, I would encourage you. Let's pray for our city ministry. Let's pray for our focus ministry, all these single adults. Man, you guys are precious. We love you. We, we love you so much. We want you to keep on growing and have healthy relationships. And then please pray for our covenant ministry. 
um, you know, we, we've kind of waxed and waned a little bit. We had some great couples who went back to the States. We're getting some new couples, and we're so thankful for that. Some of you are going to be joining us uh, in the near future, and we're looking forward to welcoming you and building community together. Let's just love the city, love people around us, and I, I believe that by God's grace, we're going to be able to do that. So let me just pray for us, and then uh, we'll close out and then have quick announcements and then release you. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity together. Lord, you know us so well. You know all our wants, all our needs. You know us intimately. That's what you say in your word, Lord. You knit us together in your, our mother's womb. And every cry and every desperation, every longing that we have, you know us, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that you don't just leave us just hanging. But you, you are weaving something beautiful, whether like a mosaic or like a beautiful knitted sweater lord on the inside it might not look very good but lord you're building a pattern that is beyond exquisite lord it is your handiwork so we fully trust in you and believe by faith that i just pray right now i don't know why i just feel burdened for some of you who lord who have had some past hurts through some real bad relationships lord i pray for healing come with the power of the holy spirit and touch every single heart Lord, thank you that our mistakes, the stumbles that we have, is not our final destiny. Lord, you can take those things, you can redeem it, and you could glorify yourself through it. Because, Lord, it's through our weaknesses when we're made strong. I just pray, God, that you will do that work in each and every single person who's been hurt through relationships. I pray for some of us, Lord, who are, who's been waiting. We've been waiting, and it seems like nothing is happening. It's easy for us to covet. It's easy for us to wonder and get jealous. Lord, are, are you working for us? God, I pray that you'll give them a fortitude that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit, that they, they've been waiting, Lord. But God, you know that you will not allow a temptation or a trial that goes beyond what we can bear. So I pray, Lord Jesus, as you are a faithful God, that you will help every single person to believe by faith that you have someone for them. And as they trust in you, Lord, you will be the one writing the love story. You will be the one that will receive all the praise, glory, and honor. So, Lord, I pray for the marriages, Lord, in our church. Thank you for these married couples in our church. I pray that you will protect it, protect the families, Lord, even the children. I just pray that you will cover them with your grace. So we thank you, Lord, for our city ministry. We thank you for focus. We thank you for uh, covenant. And we're praying, Lord, that we will grow, Lord, spiritually. We'll go deeper, wider, higher so that lord more people can be reached with the gospel message so we thank you so much and lord at tomorrow's valentine's day we pray lord to be reminded that you loved us first so we can love you and love one another so thank you so much for that we love you and it's in jesus mighty name we pray amen and amen god bless you guys thank you for listening to the harvest mission community church podcast for more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.